0: So hello and welcome to the latest Ipsos Talks, which is an ongoing series of interviews with our in-house experts, where we explore the new and developing points of view from across our specialisms. I'm Ainsley Taylor, Senior Knowledge Manager in the Ipsos Knowledge Centre, and in this edition I'm going to be speaking to the authors of the new white paper in the Ipsos View series, entitled dancing with duality. And this paper is about how to achieve brand growth in a mindful and mindless world, an enticing prospect published just as this global public health crisis leads us into a time of unprecedented uncertainty, presenting brands with opportunities and threats alike. So it's a really good time to hear from the thought leaders themselves behind this paper, who I'm very pleased to introduce to you now. First of all, I'd like to introduce you to uh, Jean-Francois Damet who's the Global Chief Research Officer for our Customer Experience Service Line. Hello! And then Adam Sheridan, who's the Global Head of Products and Innovation for Creative Excellence. Hello! And Gillian Druitt, who's the Global Head of Offer and Innovation for Brand Health Tracking.
1: Hi, everyone!
0: And lastly, Chris Murphy, who's the Global President for Market and Brand Strategy. Hi, it's really happy to be here. Gillian, the Ipsos brand narrative was very successful in conveying our philosophy toward brand growth. Can you tell us why we've taken the concept further now?
1: So for me, it's a, it was quite simply time. Um, and I think certainly for, for BHT, it was also quite simply time to have a, a new, a, a new um, evolved brand narrative, um, which we now call the brand growth story. The last one was written a number of years ago. Um, um, and I guess it presented us with us all as a great opportunity um, for all the new Ipsos service lines at the time to join forces and, and come together to write this. And more, um, maybe not more importantly, but in addition to, um, things have evolved. Um, our understanding of how decisions are made and how people make choices has changed. Um, so yeah, I think, um, for me, that's those are the main things for w- the motivation behind Having a stab at writing this new brand growth story, I,
2: I think that the clientele has uh, evolved a bit as well. So, um, you know, historically, you know, the, the vast majority of the, the people purchasing services from Ipsos were just in pretty exclusively in the insights community, and increasingly. You know, we are working with uh, brand marketing um, and, and other kind of non-insights personnel. So, uh, I think we did need a narrative uh, that equally spoke to, to to the needs of of uh, uh, the, the the brand stakeholder, um, you know, as well as the insights professional, you know, kind of carrying out uh, measurement on their behalf.
3: Yeah, and uh, I, I would also add that. Um... I think there is a realisation that organisations don't operate in silos um, and I think this new narrative really takes into account the need to integrate learnings across various disciplines. One of the key sort of um, 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 concepts in the narrative is the the importance of making sure that brands, you know, um, manage perceptions, identity and experience uh, holistically. Um, and I think that's something that's, um, that 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 would be useful for organization to make sure they don't you know, create disconnects across various uh, areas of their business.
4: Yeah, and I, I would um, just just add briefly to this, I, I think a real motivation for us is to, somewhat provoke discussion in the industry, uh, specifically as it relates to communication and, and also in general how people make decisions. There's um, been a, I think we'd all agree, somewhat of a prevailing narrative uh, for the last four or five years that we're all these, you know, kind of uh, automaton, kind of robots uh, making decisions. If uh, something's put in front of us, it will influence us, and and then we'll make that decision. And what we know from the science now is that in fact the story is not that simple. It's not just a heuristic shortcut emotion only story that we are thinking beings as well and that those um processes interact and are regulated and it's understanding those uh, that we think is important and and we we do feel um ainsley this this narrative can can give provocation and debate in the industry which is always a healthy thing yeah
1: adam i, I... I love how you phrase that, and I think for me, the way that I like to talk about it um, is to think of us as whole people. So, in the, the old uh, inverted commas way of talking, when we were, you know, about how decisions were made, it felt like we were separate from our, <laughs> we were separate from the decisions we made as people. And and the way that we talk about it now in our new brand, growth story is, as people, we are whole people making decisions, um, and we are influenced um by many things and we in turn influence um many things
2: yeah I, i'm also glad that adam brought this up because uh you know the the notion of system one or you know automatic thinking has j- just taken up so much oxygen in our industry you know for the last uh five six years um uh, and and Certainly, people do take uh, take mental shortcuts to cope, you know, with, with certain brand decisions, but it's far from representing the, the entirety of, of what goes on. And uh, ho- hopefully what we're sharing here uh, starts to to shed some new light on that.
1: Hopefully that's also coming through, Chris, in, our, in how we've titled the, the brand growth story, um, Dancing with Duality, Achieving Brand Growth in a Mindless and Mindful World. So hopefully that grabs people's attention as well and starts to um, certainly send the message that we are moving um, or have moved away from the whole notion of system one, system two, to whole brain thinking. Yeah,
2: and and that there are things that that brands can do um, to jolt people out of you know uh, automatic rhythms. Um, and and uh, cause disruptions, um, help them justify or post-rationalize decisions. Um, so again, it, it's just uh, hopefully we're we're sending the clear signal here that you know uh, it, it's not all about system one. Jean Francois, is there anything about the
0: new brand growth story that you think will really resonate with our clients?
3: <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. So that comes back to the sort of interplay between perceptions, identity, and experience. Um, we know that you know what a brand says about itself through communications or other sort of brand building initiatives. um, This sets some reference points in in, in consumers' minds. It sets sort of expectations. It it almost creates a promise. And what we find is that the extent to which the actual experience uh, meets the expectations set by the promise is is key. Uh, We find through different R&D that we've run that if there's a gap between what the brand says and what it does, expectations are violated, that create some form of, um, of, of triggering customers and and attitudinal and behavioral adju- adjustments can follow. So in other words, right. you know, when the experience doesn't match up, uh, customers are more likely to exhibit negative uh, behavior. They will like the brand less and they will probably start using them less and possibly engaging uh, in, in negative word of mouth, physical or online. Uh, But then conversely, when the experience starts reinforcing the brand promise, reinforcing key associations that are in customers' minds, customers grow grow closer to the brand and and, and they use the brand more frequently. So in other words, you know, experience has a key role um, to to play, to to shape positive memories uh, and to drive stronger and longer lasting relationships. And I think these are very clear implications for how brands needs to be managed.
2: Yeah, uh, just to, to reinforce that point about uh, alignment between you know the the perception or or the promise you know and the experiential reality, uh, you know, for, for a brand leader, nothing can be more important, especially in in, in the service industry. And uh, I, I spent a number of years in in brand management um, on on the client side at, at Verizon, and uh, we we did plenty of math that showed um, you know uh, brand. Uh, uh, consideration and loyalty and upsell uh, were, were much more a function of um, experiential outcomes than they were uh, anything that that we might put in in communications. Right, um, and 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 to Jean Francois's point a moment ago, uh, God help you if, if there's a fracture between you know the 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 promise and the outcome. Uh, so yeah, very very well said, sir.
4: And I'd take um. While I agree with what you guys have said, I, I think that the key point, um, or another key point that may resonate in this narrative, is uh, that headline of more mindful, more mindless. And uh, Gillian, of course, that's your trademark. Uh, it was a great headline, and 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 it represents a great deal. Uh, if we think about these uh, days that we're in today, uh, with with COVID nineteen. Um, people, I don't think anyone would disagree, have become a lot more mindful. And when we think about how people adapt and react and move to that more mindful mode, that more considered mode, that less automatic mode, as a brand, you need to adapt and react to that as well. So it comes back to what we were saying earlier, I think, where we never were fully governed by heuristics and shortcuts and and uh, our, our emotional, physiological responses to communication or experiences, there was always something um, within us that, that we're, means we're thinking beings. But when your environment changes around you, when the context changes, we know from a lot of research that we do and we see in academia that people do switch to that more mindful dynamic. And and I think as a brand, you know, this is obviously a really challenging challenging time but it's also a really interesting one as well uh where you need to actually adapt to the more mindful um world that people are now in and help people in 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 this environment uh and if you don't yeah, you know, perhaps there's um a consequence if you will uh if when we, we hope of course this this crisis we're in is over yeah you know, people will remember the brands that adapted and uh, and uh, considered the new context and so, so that uh, more mindful more mindless uh, essence of the narrative I think is something that can really get our clients thinking differently uh, especially in these times.
0: Gillian some of the language used in the new paper is really interesting is there a particular reason why you settled on the terms mindful and mindless?
1: For me the choice around using around mindful and mindless really is what I believe, I believe that that is how we as people, um, and thankfully the science supports it, how we as people um, uh, arise in the world, or appear in the world, or um, are pre- present in the world. We are not um, we are not automatons. We do make um, more considered decisions, and we are aware of more things at different times, and sometimes all at the same time. We are not. Um, Either we can be more mindful or more mindless at a given time, but we are often both at the same time. And and how we navigate our world is in those ways. And I, I just I just believe that. But it is also what Adam said, it's about the context. So the context influences how we show up in the world. We as people show up in the world. And and so to the language, I think, is important because it n- not only gives us something, um, uh, gives us a new way of talking to our clients about how decisions are made, but also because it is how decisions are made, I believe. Um, thankfully, as I said, supported by the science. Um, and also, I mean, to be a bit more um, uh, frank, it's it's language of our time as well. You know, people, there is a whole movement around um, how people are, present with themselves or present in the world and that that revolves around language like mindful and mindless. Um, so I think it was also uh, it's just a it's just um also a sign of the time. But for me, the um context is critical is something that is is really key and it connects to being mindful and mindless on um, and the spectrum in which we arise in those two in the in the in those states. Um, but and context for me is even more critical now in the COVID-19 scenario that we find ourselves. Um, And and I think we would be remiss if we didn't kind of recognize that that brands have do have a role to play, but a role to play in the right kind of way, given our changing context.
2: Gillian, we, we are definitely contextual decision makers, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I think uh, to your point about you know the the coronavirus, um, you know, right now. Um, I don't think there's much argument that we are all making decisions in a very fluid and unstable time of of, uh, international distress, right? Um, And, uh, you know, that does make us more, I think, conscious of of even uh, something like brand selection. Um, And so uh, we've been so jostled out of our automatic rhythms um, you know um, that uh, we we kind of have to step back and reassess um, even formally routine uh, you know brand selection uh, kind of decisions. So um, it, it is a massive opportunity, and I, I know we're all hesitant to use the word opportunity because we don't want to be you know seen as um, you know cr- crisis opportunists and or, or profiteers, and and I understand that. Uh, but but, but, the reality is um, it it is an opportunity for brands to engage in the right way um, when people are um, kind of snapped out of automatic rhythm. It, it's It's a unique window in in which uh, a, a brand can uh, uh, really um, show up um, in, in the right way. All right. Yeah, yeah, I
3: mean, I could couldn't agree, agree more um, um, uh, with that, Chris. I mean, uh, you know, we talked about, um, you know, uh, adaptive behavior uh, amongst consumers, but of course, organizations, brands need to adapt as well to this new situation. Uh, what we are clearly seeing is that, you know, um, consumers' emotional needs are changing. The hierarchy is changing in light of the crisis. You know, emphasis is on security. Of course, there's also, um, you know, the, the need for belonging. So there's quite a lot of, of, of changes in terms of the, uh, the, the response to the crisis. So, you know, organizations really need to try to get a good understanding of how these sort of needs, customer priorities, are shifting, Um, and that understanding will enable them to, you know, focus on really matters now in the short, medium, and long run, and adjust their sort of their brand strategies accordingly. So, very, very crucial um, concept of um, yeah of being able to adapt. Absolutely.
4: And to to pick up as well on context is such a great point and and the, the adaptation around it if we think about communicating in this time you know there's understandably hesitancy from brands you know you said it yourself chris said uh, you don't want to be seen as a profiteer but even if we you know, if we look at the past to really understand the present that we're in and we look at ipsos data you know, we see on average if you are a leading brand in your category what works for you as a brand more often than not is an emotionally toned communication as opposed to focusing on, you know, rational, uh, functional features. And if that's the case uh, in terms of you, you know, reinforcing, reassuring on decisions that were already made to make them again, then it perhaps stands to reason that if you are a leading brand, people are going to look at you uh, in this time. They'll look at you for practical advice. They'll look at you um, maybe just to lighten up their day. And, and we've seen that, by the way, in data we've just recently published uh, where we ask people about their perception of advertising during the time of COVID-19 and what they expect from brands. And very few people say, well, we feel it's inappropriate you advertise right now. Yeah, a lot of them are saying, I'm, I'm looking to you as, by the way, we see in our global trends data, a more trusted institution or group of institutions than national government. So they're actually looking to brands to lead the way to help them practically and also you know, give uh, a ray of light in their lives. And we see that in the past in what's effective in communication. And we see it today when we ask people about what they expect from brands. So that, that idea of context is, yes, the environment, but it's also where your leadership positioning is. If you're a big brand, I think people are looking to you.
0: Chris, our existing brand narrative very succinctly said that brands grow when they're chosen more often, more easily by more people. Is there anything
2: similarly concise that people can take away from our new point of view? When when I looked at the the term uh, or the the sentence, you know, <laughs> brands grow when chosen by more people, more easily, more often. It, there's not a lot to argue with in there, right? Um, and, and so it, it is still very much true. We're not walking away from it. In fact, um, every time I've I've presented this story, I, I start off with a slide, you know, expressing just that. It's like, look, we're, we're not off that as a as a general um you know kind of kind of guiding light so i i, I hope it it doesn't seem to to folks as if we're you know abandoning ship on on, on that message because it is still certainly 100 percent true
1: so chris i i can't agree with you more. i i, I also feel it's still more than hundred percent true um but i think for me what i'd like people to to i have two things that kind of of sound bites um, that I think would be valuable for people to have in their minds, um, you know, to stay in their minds rather from the brand growth story, Um, in addition to brands grow um, when they're chosen by more people, more easily, more often. It would be, for me, um, it would be context is critical. And then the second one is that brand experience and decisions can be both mindful and mindless. So if we were to have to pick, Sound bites from our new brand growth story. Um, though, those would be my two.
2: Yeah, and, and I think I might go back to something Jean-Francois said in, in his introductory comments. You know, if if you approach this from a brand leader's standpoint and think about the uh, kind of the tools or the instruments at, at their discretion um, in, in managing that brand, you know, uh they can manage experience they can manage perception they can manage identity um and and i'm hopeful that that those uh kind of three uh terms are are resonating clearly as people go through the material um, and the one piece of those that that we really haven't talked about much um on this podcast is the identity management piece um and and when i talk about brand identity um some might might uh, refer to those as, as distinctive assets. So, uh, you know, the the logos, the calligraphy, the colors, the sounds, the sonic cues, the c- uh, celebrity spokespeople—all all those things. Um, those are are such important tools um, in in the brand manager's toolkit. Um, and I think in the measurement world, we often um, shortchange. Um, that that kind of piece of of, of the, uh, the the brand management uh, um, initiative. So um, yeah, I, I'm hopeful that we can use this narrative to call more attention to to the importance of that uh, in our, in our measurement world.
4: Yeah, I, I couldn't couldn't agree more, Chris. And I, and I know uh, you know there's there's two kind of principal forms of measurement, isn't there? You know, one is. Measuring the strength of them related to the brand itself in brand positioning. So what do you have? What can you leverage? The, the the other angle as well is is really understanding the degree to which the brand assets you have can actually enable effectiveness in your uh, branded communication and your creative. And um, you know, what we see clearly in the data is that brand assets really do matter to creative effectiveness. There's a really strong relationship uh, between your better performing ads on um, one of our core creative metrics, branded attention uh, in terms of the use of brand assets versus those that perform quite weakly. And the more distinct the assets, the more effective. So we see, for example, brand mascots, brand characters really bring a lot more to the table than um say celebrities and it kind of makes sense because uh, brand mascots they're created by you you evolve them over time you own them they don't uh, get drunk they don't have affairs they don't go to prison um but celebrities do they're you know guns for hire they're human beings and they're a bit uh, unpredictable so so i think you know, there's a lot of knowledge we have in ipsos around brand assets as as well as ability to measure the contribution they can make and uh, so that's why I would agree Chris. It's just a great time uh, to recognize the, uh, the power of identity and, and the need to measure it and, uh, and, and to remind people of that.
0: Adam, in the period since we first started to put dancing with duality together, the world has changed in previously unimaginable ways. How much of what we have written is still relevant in the context of the global public health emergency?
4: Well, um I think a lot of it is. Um, a lot has changed as well. So you know we need to recognise that. but it it's ultimately, I think, the respect of context. Um we often forget the environmental context in which uh, people operate. So if everything's stable, everything's good, everything's familiar, you probably are going to uh, continue down the more mindless path. Um, but when context does change, uh, we, we know from the science that, that people do adapt and people do become more mindful uh, to adapt to the, the new normal um, that, that they that they find themselves in. And and again, I you know, maybe it's kind of repeating the point, but I can't make it enough. Yeah, people genuinely are looking to brands in this time to to help them to show leadership. Uh, actually, your trust in national governments is at its lowest level for, for for some time, and it does vary by country, but it's not high. And and actually, trust in tech brands, in food and drink companies, is a lot higher. You know, we see that in in our data. So uh, I think you know the relevancy absolutely is there. You know, people are now in a different context. They are certainly more mindful in, in different scenarios. And, and also you know, what we talk about in managing perception, delivering on experience and also leveraging identity. You know, frankly, it's, it's not even just about business gains today. It's about showing leadership and helping people. And if you do that, if you play the long game, then I think you've got an opportunity to also benefit because you're doing the right thing.
2: I was glad Adam brought up the T word um, because uh, you know trust in institutional organizations is at an all-time low. You know whether that's you know governmental or religious um and increasingly uh people are looking i think to, to, to brands to kind of fill that that void of accurate information um so you know to the degree to which you know brands can step up um, as a source of authenticity in this period of distress um, it, it is a really uh, neat opportunity to kind of accelerate the trust curve um, because in in, in in a normal Uh, kind of period of time, you know, trust takes a a, a lot of time to to build and a lot of positive repetition. If you look at most driver models, uh, you know, kind of behind trust, um, it's almost always built on the back of positive repetition. And that just by definition takes some time. Um, But but in a a time of turmoil like this, um, I I, I think if if brands behave appropriately, um, they can accelerate uh, perhaps uh, uh, that that time frame of that.
3: Yeah, and I, w- I, w- I would add to that that, um, you know, going back to the the, uh, the idea of the, the key elements of the narrative, I think they are extremely relevant um, to the current situation. I think there's just more at stake. Um, given the current situation. So, you know, we talked about the um, um, you know consumers expecting brands to play a role here. Absolutely. But of course, it's even more important to make sure that the way they communicate translates into actual reality. So they can't really um, say things that customers do not end up uh, being able to, uh, to represent in the real world. So, you know, especially in these in these times of uncertainty, anxiety, um, the need to be f- feel supported. I think the, the, the consequence of any sort of gap between what they say and what they do would be would be would be uh, very significant. And I would say that, you know, meeting customers need in these challenging times, um, you know, will have positive impact on, you know, longer term emotional attachment, goodwill and, and long term loyalty.